Good evening. It's uh, good to see you all here tonight and uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us on live stream. Um, In our reading today, there's a, a mention of how when Moses met with God, it impacted him so much that his face shined and he had to cover his face. And it would be wonderful if we could get a sense of just how amazing and how glorious God is as we come to worship him tonight. And if we do, then our first song will be something that comes naturally out of our hearts as well as, if we could, out of our lips. It's praise my soul, the king of heaven, to his feet my tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like you his praise should sing? So let's stand and worship.
Well, let's hear what um, God's Word is going to say to us this evening. The reading is um, from um, 2 Corinthians. That's the uh, second letter of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians. And we're in chapter 3, and we're reading from verse 12, and then through to the end of chapter 4. The main focus um, of the message this evening is in the um, first 16 verses of chapter 4. Uh, but we pick up the reading a bit earlier in um, chapter 3, verse 12. And um, Paul has been writing about the uh, confident hope that we have uh, through Christ uh, towards God. And we, we go on uh, like this from verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome, of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus 
will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, as we come to pray to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who made everything, and the one who is completely without fault and completely pure, we realise that naturally praying isn't something we would do. We need your Holy Spirit to help us. And we ask, Lord, that as we come to you now, that we will have a sense of your promise being coming true, that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are there in the middle of us. Oh Lord, we are weak and we are sinful and we need your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts so that we can pray in a way that is right so that we can understand just a little of how amazingly glorious you are. Oh Lord, we do thank you that you sent your son Jesus. We thank you that he lived on this earth and he understands everything that we go through, except for the sins that we so often commit. Oh Lord, we thank you that he is with you in heaven, pleading for us if we are yours. That his sacrifice paid the price for every sin of every one of your children so that one day we can be sure that we will be with you. We will see your face and we won't have to hide our faces. We won't have to hide our shame because our sin has been dealt with completely and we will be able to praise you as you should be praised. And Lord, we ask that our lives here will be getting ready for that. Oh Lord, lots of us heard this morning about the responsibility you give us to make use of the gifts that you've given us. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to live for your well done. And Lord, we pray that you'll help John as he uh, brings your word to us in a few moments. Lord, we ask that you will help him and we pray that it will make a real connection with us in our lives. Oh Lord, we know that as Christians we are weak and flawed, 
but we have something very precious inside us. We have God living in us. And we ask, Lord, that that will show more and more. That will be more and more the dominant thing that comes out of our lives. And we pray that you will help us to share the good news of acceptance, of forgiveness, of welcome with those that we meet, that they can be forgiven, that their guilt can be dealt with, that they can be part of the family of the living God. Oh Lord, you you know there are many things, many struggles that many of us face. Oh Lord, I ask that you will help us not to carry our own burdens, but to cast our cares on you. I pray that you will be with those who are feeling particularly weighed down. But Lord, we all have our own needs and I pray that each of us will have that sense of a father's care and compassion and understanding and that we will be in the habit of talking with you and sharing with you and wanting to understand what you want for our lives. Oh Lord, I pray that as we look forward to home groups later in the week, that that will be a time where your word speaks to us, that we'll be able to encourage each other and that we will be better able to live for you after that time together. But Lord, we don't just pray for ourselves, we pray for our country. We ask the Lord that as we have been through these difficult months of lockdown, that the outcome will be a questioning. The people will be asking what they're living for, asking for what they really miss. And Lord, in that, your spirit will be at work. Oh Lord, we do pray for our leaders and our government. Oh Lord, you know how much they don't know. You know how much pressure they're on from many people in many different ways. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help them to act with integrity, with justice, that you will give them wisdom. And Lord, it seems a a great way, a great thing to pray, but Lord, we, we do pray that you will bring many of them to come to you and seek wisdom because we know that real wisdom only comes from knowing you. Everything else is just under the sun for a little while and however clever it seems, it doesn't last. But Lord, we thank you that you give treasure and certainty and security forever. Oh Lord, we praise you that you are a great and wonderful God and ask, Lord, that you will increase our faith Not just in a theory sort of way, but in our lives on a day-to-day basis. Help us to know and rely and be in touch and to know you. Amen. Our next song is, My heart is filled with thankfulness. Not only to a God who bore our pain 
But as we go into the second verse, a God who walks beside us. Not a God who's distant, but a God who is right there with us. So let's stand and worship. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app or whatever you like to follow, we're in 2 Corinthians 4, it might be useful if you have it open if you can, although we will see our main verse as we go through. Uh, you uh, remember your science lessons, perhaps your physics lessons, you remember the convex lenses, do you, and the lines of uh, light going into the convex lens and then pointing downwards to a single focal point. Dangerously uh, occurring, perhaps on a dry forest when uh, bits of curved glass are left and the sun's beams go through and then get focused on one area, start a forest fire. Well, this evening we've got a whole passage in front of us, these first 16 verses in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, but... uh, it seems to me the key elements of this section of the 16 verses are, are if you like, focused in one particular verse. They, they come down, the lines of, of light come to a focal point. 
And uh, so it's that verse that we're going to especially focus on this evening. I think it's probably a, a better known verse in this passage. It's quite a graphic verse, really, so it's one that we latch on to and relate to. And uh, so that is the verse that we're going to focus on and bring the other beams of light in the passage onto that particular verse. Here's the verse, it's verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's a good verse, isn't it? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Um, they were in danger of losing heart in the gospel. In some ways, the Apostle Paul had reasons to lose heart in the gospel, but as we see, he, he doesn't lose heart in the gospel, and that's what he's conveying to them. So if we start at the first verse of our passage, verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And the last verse of our passage, I'm ending at 16 this week, verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Maybe you are in danger of losing heart in the gospel. You've been under pressure. You're feeling somewhat bewildered You've had some knocks. It's not plain sailing. Life is not plain sailing. The Christian life is not plain sailing. Christian work and service is not plain sailing. The circumstances are bearing down on you. You feel a burdened individual. Difficulties, discouragements, You feel your own personal limitations. You feel a bit tempted to lose heart, perhaps. Here's some examples which might get us thinking. Julia works as a school administrator. She's a Christian. She has an inner joy and peace and hope. Uh, She contributes to a lovely atmosphere in the life of the school and she's a great support to the head teacher. She's open about her faith but not pushy. But amidst the joy and the peace, she has bouts of depression. Some days are a real battle. She's had two substantial periods of sickness, sickness absence in the last few years. She feels a bit of a failure. Patrick is part of the church leadership team. They plan an outreach event. He is as diligent as he can be in all that he's doing for it. But they don't have a big budget Um, The publicity is not stunning. Um, The venue has to change with just a few weeks to spare, and it's okay, but it's not the best. 
Um, the speaker is unavoidably late in traffic, making it difficult. And Patrick does the introductions to the evening, and he tries hard to do it well, but uh, he stutters and he gets his words in a tangle. And he feels a strong sense of inadequacy. Javid comes home to his family in his Asian town. He's lost his job. He's been a great worker, but because of his Christian faith, some of his extreme Islamic colleagues have been looking to get into trouble. Looking to get him into trouble. Uh, The rumours weren't true, but uh, enough of them had been generated and put forward that his boss decides he's got no real option but to finish Javid's employment. He comes home to a sad daughter. She'd been spat on that day. Her school books were thrown in the dirt because of her Christian allegiances. The family cry together. Sometimes are just so hard. Well, life, Christian life, Christian ministry is rarely plain sailing and at times we can feel inadequate and maybe you feel sometimes a sense of inadequacy which makes you want to give up. At times perhaps you compare yourselves to others and then even more you feel like giving up when you realise how much better they are than you are. Paul could and he will list uh, tremendous hardships as he serves Jesus in the gospel. But he does not give up. He does not lose heart. And he doesn't want the Corinthians to give up. And he doesn't want the Corinthians to lose heart. And the Lord doesn't want us to give up. And he doesn't want us to lose heart as we look at this passage this evening. Paul has a mentality that encourages him to keep going. He keeps going. He still speaks. He still speaks clearly, openly, boldly. Verse 2, he says, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He says in verse 13, and some of these verses really deserve some time on them, but we can't this evening. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. What's behind him keeping going? Keeping going openly, truthfully with the gospel. Not tampering, not bending it, not making it popular, but being uh, before God, an honest person with the truth. How does he keep going? Well, a lot of it is encapsulated in our verse this evening. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Which have got three simple headings this evening. You won't need to be Einstein to work out what they're going to be, but let's just put the first one up first. It's pearls. It's pearls or treasure. 
but we have this treasure, uh, something precious, something stored up, something kept, perhaps jewels, it doesn't have to be pearls, but it could be pearls that are in mind, they were around in New Testament times, it's gold, it's coins, and that is what the gospel is, the gospel is, is treasure, don't forget that, the good news is worth lots, it's very valuable, Do you, does it make you think of a couple of the stories that Jesus told in Matthew 13, there are only one verse each stories, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Verse 45, again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who finding one pearl of great value bought it sold all that he had and bought it. If you have the gospel, if you're involved with the gospel, in a way you're a gold merchant. With what's happening next month in terms of wedding and the family, I've been looking back at uh, some different sort of quotes and going down memory lane ahead of the event and uh, uh, Gemma gave this quote, I don't know if she was a toddler or a bit older than a toddler, I haven't checked out the date, but she stated uh, four things that she wanted to be when she was older. And one of them was a goldsmith. Well, that's an unusual thing for a toddler or younger primary school or whatever, a goldsmith. But you can see the appeal, can't you? Dealing with gold. Feels nice, feels impressive, prestigious job. Good to be involved with handling gold. Well, believer, you have the gospel, you have gold. You have jewellery, but we have this, this treasure. He's thinking of the ministry that he has. Verse 1, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. It's a great privilege to have the gospel, to be involved with the gospel. It is an act of God's immense mercy that you know the gospel, that you deal with the gospel, that you pass on the gospel to others. You're sitting at your desk preparing a class. It's an immense privilege that you know the mercy of God and that's what you've got to pass on to others. You're cooking in the kitchen and it's getting quite hot and quite pressurised as you prepare a meal with a hospitality in mind or a gospel event in mind. And, but you, you have an immense privilege that you know God's mercy and that's why you're involved with what you are involved in. You're part of the TCG team, maybe. It's a privilege if you know the mercy of God and that's what you're concerning is in the things that you are doing. You have treasure, you've known God's mercy. Do you remember last time we were in chapter 3, we looked about this ministry and, and the way in which it's such a, a wonderful ministry, message, ministry that we are involved in. The ministry of life, the ministry of freedom, the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the Spirit tells us more about this treasure in verses 4 to 6. It's talking about those who don't know it. In their case, the God of this world. That's actually a description of Satan. You might be surprised by that, but that's a description of Satan, the God of this world, who's having an influence on the people of this world. 
In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So his message is not about us, he says. It's not about self-promotion. If that's what our view is of, of, of Christian service, then we've got the wrong end of the stick, and sadly we do, and our, and our evil hearts find it very easy to get the wrong end of the stick and think it's about self-promotion, but it's, a, it's about Jesus. But what is said about Jesus here, it talks about the glory of Christ. I remember, do you remember last week about the, the view out of the aeroplane window, the, the, the Alps, the Dolomites, the, 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 the coastline, the, the, the glory, and it's the glory of Christ which we have. There is nothing more glorious, God's glorious character in his wisdom, in his justice, in his compassion, in his grace, in his righteousness, in his love, in his faithfulness, and you could go on if you had other words and fingers, are all wonderfully, especially displayed in Christ. And the gospel is about the glory of Christ, who is, it says, the image of God. Our message is that Jesus Christ is Lord, yes, going to the cross for our sakes, but, but raised, ascended, enthroned. Jesus Christ is Lord, he is King. This is the message that we have. And, and, and nothing compares with this message, it's treasure. It dispels the darkness God uses it to do a new creation work. Verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How did you feel when this first dawned on you? And you first started to appreciate the glory of God, the the brilliance of God, the excellence of God in Jesus, who he was and what he came to do. How how did that feel? Can you remember? The privilege that God was working in you, a new creation work, that he was dispelling the darkness, that you were able to, to see and behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Have you lost a sense of that value? treasure. We have treasure in heaven, Matthew 6 tells us. We, we're passing on, according to Paul and Ephesians, the, uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We have received, according to that same letter, the riches of his grace. You are a, a pearl distributor. You are a treasure container but we have this treasure. We have this treasure. Do not lose heart. We have this treasure. Don't forget that. Don't forget the treasure that you have. And then it comes on to something very strange. We talk about treasure containers, uh, but what is the container 
like. And we go on to pots. We go on to pots. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What would you expect the treasure to be in? A safe? A jewellery box? Nice shiny glass cabinet, secure one. What is the treasure in, according to this verse? But we have this treasure in jars of clay, clay pots, earthen vessels, as it says in the older version, things used for everyday use, Things sometimes used for dishonourable use and dishonourable muck, according to 2 Timothy. Things which were cheap. Things which were fragile. Things which were unattractive. Being compared to a carrier bag. Treasure in a carrier bag. Although these days, carrier bags are getting a bit more valuable as they're not so freely handed out. A margarine tub. If you keep a bit of junk in a margarine, you've got a bit in your, you've got a cupboard or a drawer and a margarine tub and you've got in there paper clips and old keys and padlocks and it's just, I don't know, a margarine tub or an egg box. Easily disposed, easily broken, feeble. But we have this treasure in jars of clay and the people that carry the gospel Carrier bags, margarine tubs. You see it here, if we go a bit further into this chapter. What was life like for the great apostle? Verse 8. And his co-workers. We are afflicted in every way. That is, we're, we're under pressure We're burdened. Things are really pushing us and getting us down. Carries on in verse 8. Perplexed. Bewildered. Don't know quite everything that's happening. Not able to see everything that's going on. Feeling concerned about it sometimes. Verse 9, he says he's persecuted. It's the butt of opposition, of hostility, of jokes, of plans maybe. There's harsh treatment and going in his direction. How unimpressive, how unimpressive this is. Verse 9 carries on, struck down, knocked, humiliated on the floor. Weak. Yet the treasure is in him and in them. In Julia, despite her mental struggles. In Patrick, despite his limitations. In Javid, despite the rough treatment his family is getting. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, now there's a, a balance here. We need to think this through a bit, don't we? 
Now, does that mean that you pick the weakest person you can think of to take on a responsibility? Does it mean when you're doing something that you don't try at all because you think, well, God uses weak things, so there's no point in getting too involved with this? No, we, we know from elsewhere in God's word, God, God gives gifts. We, we look for them. We use them. Our home groups might go into that area uh, later in the week, those in home groups. We don't deliberately put square pegs in, in round holes. We don't aim to be clumsy. No, we, we aim to be the best in our service. We aim to be sensitive to the, the culture and to present things well. Uh, we want to do things well. We want to be professional. We, we want things to be uh, quality. But even in our best uh, attempts, we're, we're so limited. Much of what we do just demonstrates our weakness. We almost don't, we don't have to aim to be weak. When we're aiming to be as useful as possible, we are weak. We're still weak. It made me think back to, uh, I don't know what it was, but um, some video, Christian video I saw many years ago, and it would go from the message to the discovery singers, the discovery singers. And they would uh, come on and sing a song to close the Christian message. And they had their lovely smiles, and they all had perfect teeth, and their voices were harmonious. And the Christian life is... Not always like the smiling, discovering singers with their perfect range of teeth. Or imperfect and weak and out of tune and not attractive. He carries on further. In here, there's a death likeness about the apostle. A death likeness about him and his weaknesses. In some ways that's not so bad because it, that's like Jesus. Verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So my life seems to be something similar to the death of Jesus. That was verse 10a. Verse 11a. Uh, a being the start of the verse. Verse 11a. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Uh, and verse 12a, so death is at work in us. Jars of clay, weakness, fragility, a deathness about it, a sort of decaying about it, comes to the fore in verse 16. Feels like he's wasting away, though our outer self is wasting away, perhaps through age or, or difficulty or disease. So, a clay pot. But the treasure is inside. Uh, we're, we're nothing. We're fragile. We're ordinary. We're unattractive. But there is still treasure in us. The gospel of Christ is being projected through us, carried by us. A good reason not to lose heart despite feeling so ordinary and limited and unqualified. But there's another aspect to this. Our weakness 
actually draws attention to something else. And that's where we go with our third point as we carry on the verse. So we go to power. We go to power. What do we read in the rest of verse 7? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. How is it that such fragile vessels can be effective? How is it the Apostle Paul, who felt so weak, could be the founder of so much in terms of the spread of Christianity? How come 12 ordinary disciples, many of them fishermen, were so foundational in the spread of the church? How come Spurgeon, who was a tremendously influential uh, preacher in London in the 1800s, how come his conversion came through a, a substitute, ineloquent, anonymous preacher who nobody knows the name of? I was thinking of uh, Dan Walker, who would have a, a presence in the minds of many today with his breakfast TV role. And uh, uh, so a, a prominent Christian in our nation, I pray for him that he'll be kept, how he carries on with all the associations and that that he has, pray for him to be kept. But what, what was it that brought him to faith originally? Well, he said it was an older, undynamic preacher, not far from here. Weak things being used. So often God uses the weak things. We were reminded of that not so long ago in an evening in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 and 28. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring So nothing, things that are. You see, there's a a pattern of God's strength in weakness, God's power at work through that which is so fragile and ordinary. And you can see here how God is at work in and through people like Paul. So you see in the pressures, notice the but knots. I love the but knots of verses 8 and 9. In God's sustaining grace at work in Paul, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. God's sustaining strength, even though he's battered. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So through a weak, sort of hounded vessel, the gospel goes forward. And you can see it in the Christ-likeness of verses 10 and 11. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Resurrection power at work. Verse 11, we had the A bits, now we're getting the B bits. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, 
so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. And in the summary, 12a was, so death is at work in us, but life in you. He feels as though he's almost dying with what he's going through, but his dying, his weakness, his vulnerability was leading to life going into others. God was at work through him. The, the outer man perishing, I think this is encouraging for us if we, we feel unwell, we feel older, we have our difficulties, our disabilities, though our outer self is wasting away, there's a part two to it, our inner self is being renewed day by day, outwardly weaker, inwardly strengthened. So God's sustaining power at work through people like Paul to enable them to preach, to pass on the gospel. And, of course, if any new Christian is the work of a new creation, it has to be God's power at work. So he said in verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. it's It's a miracle. If somebody becomes a Christian, it's like creation occurring again in a, in another way. They're new creations. And, and so we see God's power at work through people in their weakness. God uses people like Julia and Patrick and Javid. We see God's power at work. We're we're weak. But if we're used, it's God's power in our weakness. And sometimes we, we see that. You think of times when you've seen that. Your life in the life of others. Used in weakness. Do a talk and you feel failure. Remember here was somebody doing a YP holiday talk and feeling pretty upset afterwards because they felt they'd done such a bad job, upset in their dormitory. And God used that in the conversion of somebody. You befriend someone and you just feel so so clumsy. Well, that was awkward. I made a mess of that. And yet God uses that friendship as part of the chain of their conversion. Think of Heidi... Crowther, many battles with her Down syndrome and yet having such a big impact in many ways in our nation. And she had her wedding last year. Paul Watts took the wedding, gave a lovely message. You know how many viewings that's had? 32,000. 32,000. God using the weak things of this world. Treasure in earthen vessels. Some of you have read and benefited a lot from the writings of Joni Erickson with her diving accident and her disabilities and yet of use, I imagine thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably millions. God using people in their weaknesses. And not always such high profile 
people uh, with uh, big numbers. But the, the person who's had times of panic attacks in their life, who proves just to be the right Christian to get alongside somebody else who they're talking to, who's going through similar difficulties. Or the the camp leader who is shyer and not the one at the forefront of all the activities and not the one that everyone flocks around and laughs at, but proves a safe listening ear to some of the other campers so that they can unburden themselves and ask questions of their concerns about the gospel. God's power through our weakness. And this leads, it leads to where we're coming, I want to feed something else in here. This leads to a couple of things. I think one of the things, and I think this deserves a bit of thought for most of us, actually I think it does for me. I think this line of thought, this truth in this verse, um, can make us more content with our weaknesses, It deserves thinking about. That's the way Paul uh, puts it later on in chapter 12 and verse 10. He talks about, for the sake of Christ, and I'm content with weaknesses. It makes us more accepting of our weaknesses. We tend to be resistant to the thought that we've got weaknesses and limitations. we find it very hurtful and hard to hear of them. We're a bit snappy with those who point them out. We, we almost live in denial. I am not weak. I am not limited. I am not struggling. It's going well. It's good. I'm good. And when we grasp this truth, that we start to be more accepting of our weakness. Well, yeah, I'm not the best. I've tried my best, but I'm, I'm not the best. And others do it better than me. And... It wasn't actually very good, was it? It wasn't brilliant. Um, But we realise, well, the the treasure is still the same and God's power might be at work and we're a bit sort of more comfortable in our own skin. We're we're realising we are a a clay pot and we're more accepting of our weaknesses. I think there's a line of thought there that would benefit me from thinking about. Perhaps you find there's a line of thought there that you are more accepting of our own weaknesses. But the more immediate thing here is we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. That bookends our passage. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though we have our mental challenges Though we feel our limitations, though others may be giving us a hard time, we remember we have treasure. The treasure is still the same. God uses us in our weaknesses. We're going to press on and not lose heart in the gospel ministry and the gospel message. Well, have some time thinking and praying over this and then I'll pray to close.
Oh Lord, we feel this is a very real passage. And we thank you that it speaks into the real situations of the pressure we sometimes feel, of the confusion we sometimes feel, of the the damage we sometimes feel has been done to us. It speaks into our fragileness, our vulnerability, our weakness. But it so encourages us, Lord, to stand back and think again of the the treasure that is in us, that we're dealing with, the gold, that we are goldsmiths and jewellers, pearl distributors, that we know and pass on the glory of Christ. Help us to remember that and grasp that. Oh Lord, we are weak. We are limited. We do mess things up. We don't want to aim for low standards. We're reminded this morning of being diligently engaged with business. But even when we are diligently engaged with business, we find ourselves clumsy and imperfect. And we can see so many people that are better than us. Help us, Lord, to more rest in the wonderful fact that you use us in our weakness that it's your purpose that jars of clay should be containers of the gospel. And that even though we are weak, your power is at work in us so that we're not crushed or forsaken or destroyed. And that your power works through people like us to do that new creation work of uh, revealing to people the gospel of Christ. So help us not to lose heart in the gospel, in following Christ in this ministry. Do make the message that we have homed in on uh, this evening from this wonderful chapter a lasting blessing to us. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.